Hello and welcome to another episode of Yoga for Latter-day Saints, a podcast where we discuss ways to improve worship using yoga practice. Last time we discussed the character of God and the light of Christ. Today we're going to discuss the next few sutras which talk about some physical and mental barriers in this life and how to overcome them, and how the teachings in these sutras and from the gospel can help us to become better disciples of Jesus Christ and improve physically, intellectually, emotionally, and spiritually. Sutra number 30 reads, The obstacles that distract the mind are illness, apathy, doubt, carelessness, laziness, hedonism, delusion, lack of progress, and instability. This sutra describes the nine major obstacles that can hinder progress in yoga practice. These obstacles are referred to as internal barriers or mental disturbances. According to Patanjali, these obstacles arise from the fluctuations of the mind and can prevent one from achieving the state of yoga. The first three obstacles, illness, apathy, and doubt, relate to physical and mental health. Illness can disrupt yoga practice by causing physical pain or weakness, while apathy and doubt can dampen enthusiasm and confidence. Elder Anthony D. Perkins in Remember Thy Suffering Saints, O Our God, said, Heavenly Father's plan of happiness includes a mortal experience where all of his children will be tested and face trials. Regardless of where you live, physical or emotional suffering from a variety of trials and mortal weaknesses has been, is now, or will someday be a part of your life. Physical suffering can result from natural aging, unexpected diseases and random accidents, hunger or homelessness or abuse, violent acts and war. Emotional suffering can arise from anxiety or depression, the betrayal of a spouse, parent or trusted leader, employment or financial reversals, unfair judgment by others, the choices of friends, children or other family members, abuse in its many forms, unfulfilled dreams of marriage or children, the severe illness or early death of loved ones, or so many other sources. The next three obstacles, carelessness, laziness, and hedonism, are related to the lack of discipline and self-control. Carelessness and laziness can lead to neglecting your practice, while indulgence and sensual pleasures can distract you from the path. Elder Peter M. Johnson, in Power to Overcome the Adversary, said, The adversary also attempts to distract us away from Christ and his covenant path. In our day, there are many distractions, including Twitter, Facebook, virtual reality games, and much more. These technological advances are amazing, but if we're not careful, they can distract us from fulfilling our divine potential. Using them appropriately can bring forth the power of heaven and allow us to witness miracles as we seek to gather scattered Israel on both sides of the veil. The last three obstacles, delusion, lack of progress, and instability, relate to the misconceptions and fluctuations of the mind. Delusion can lead to wrong understanding or misguided actions, while lack of progress and instability can cause frustration and discouragement in your practice. Sutra number 31 says, The distractions of the mind are pain, despair, nervousness, shallow breathing, and an inability to concentrate. This sutra describes the five symptoms or secondary afflictions that arise from the obstacles mentioned in the previous sutra. Patanjali explains that these symptoms can arise together with the obstacles and they can reinforce and exacerbate each other, making it harder to achieve a stable state of mind. We're beginning to understand a little more how these secondary afflictions are due to changes in the brain and its function. Historically, chronic pain, for example, has been viewed as a purely physical problem, with treatment focused primarily on addressing the underlying physical condition or injury. However, new research has shown that chronic pain is a complex and multifactorial condition that involves not only physical factors, but also psychological and social factors. 
This research has highlighted the importance of addressing the cognitive and emotional factors that contribute to chronic pain, such as stress, anxiety, depression, and trauma. In addition, new treatments and approaches to pain management are being developed that focus on addressing these factors, such as cognitive behavioral therapy, mindfulness-based stress reduction, and pain neuroscience education. This shift in perspective is leading to a more holistic approach to pain management that considers not only the physical aspects of pain, but also the psychological and social factors that contribute to pain. And Sutra 32 reads, to counteract these distractions, practice concentration on a single principle. By focusing the mind on one object, idea, or principle, the distractions of the mind can be gradually reduced and ultimately overcome. This concentration practice involves consistent and disciplined effort toward the chosen principle. The principle can vary depending on the individual's goals and inclinations, but it should be something that inspires and motivates you. The concept of a single principle can also be understood in a broader sense as referring to the ultimate goal of yoga itself, which is the realization of the true nature of the self and liberation from the cycle of suffering. This ultimate principle can be seen as a guiding light that helps us to stay focused and motivated on our paths. We'll stick to the chronic pain example as we discuss implementing this concentration into our practice. Two critical factors to our success in overcoming chronic conditions or progressing in our practice are feeling safe and being motivated. Feeling safe is important for effective pain management because pain can be a threatening and distressing experience. And if individuals feel unsafe or threatened, their nervous system may become more sensitive to pain, leading to increased pain perception and difficulty coping with pain. Creating a sense of safety involves providing a supportive and non-judgmental environment to learn and grow. This can include finding information about the safety of movement and activity and support to engage in activities you enjoy and find meaningful. Setting short-term achievable goals can activate the reward system in the brain and leads to the release of dopamine, which can enhance motivation and increase the likelihood of achieving a long-term goal. When we set achievable goals, we experience a sense of accomplishment and satisfaction when we reach them, which reinforces the behavior and motivates us to set and achieve more goals. Creating the long-term goals and short-term goals that will help get you there will be different for each one of us. But here are some suggestions for goal setting from the June 2020 New Era. Number one, begin with the end in mind. As you set each goal, keep in mind the ultimate goal of becoming like Heavenly Father in Jesus Christ. Do your goals help you become more like them? That doesn't mean every goal needs to involve scripture study, though. Things like improving a talent or taking better care of your health can help you become like Heavenly Father in Jesus Christ. Number two, seek revelation. The Lord can help you recognize the areas where you can improve right now. Ask him where to start. Number three, balance your short-term and long-term goals. Short-term goals can usually be accomplished within a few days or weeks, while long-term goals might take months or even years. It's a good idea to have both short-term and long-term goals to work on. Number four, break it down. If you have a long-term goal, such as being accepted to a college, you might want to break it down into short-term goals that you can measure, like improving your grades by studying 30 minutes extra each day. Then make plans for how to accomplish those daily goals. What time will you start? How can you ensure you will follow through? Breaking a goal into bite-sized chunks can help you stay motivated as you accomplish each part. And number five, share your goals. Tell your friends and family about your goals and plans. Sharing your goals can help make you accountable, and other people might have suggestions that can help you too.
For the practice today, we're going to do Sun Salutation A, which is a common sequence of yoga postures that's often practiced as a warm-up or a full-body stretch. Always remember when performing any exercise routine to be self-compassionate. If it's not in your practice to perform a pose or even this whole routine, that's perfectly okay. Make sure you listen to your body and any advice that you've received from your healthcare practitioners. Find a comfortable location where you have room to move and we'll get started. Begin in mountain pose. Stand with your feet hip width apart and your arms at your sides, palms facing forward. Ground down through your feet and engage your legs. Take a few deep breaths, inhaling and exhaling slowly and deeply. Start to bring your attention to different parts of your body, beginning with your feet and moving up through your legs, torso, arms, and head. As you focus on each part, consciously release any tension you may be holding. Allow your breath to become natural and effortless without trying to control or manipulate it in any way. On an inhale, raise your arms overhead, reaching your fingertips toward the sky. As you exhale, slowly swan dive forward into forward fold, keeping your legs as straight as is tolerable and reaching your hands toward the ground. On an inhale, lift halfway up so that your upper body is parallel to the ground with your hands on your fins or thighs and your spine straight. On an exhale, fold forward again into forward fold. On an inhale, place your hands on the ground about shoulder width apart and step your feet back into plank pose with your arms straight and your body in a straight line. On an exhale, keeping your body straight and parallel to the ground, slowly bend your elbows until they are even width and pressed against your sides. This is four-limbed staff pose. Inhale and lift your chest by straightening your arms and lifting your head into upward facing dog. Slide forward slightly so that you come off of your toes and the tops of your feet are on the floor and your thighs remain lifted off of the ground. Exhale and lift your hips, pushing yourself into an inverted V position, downward facing dog, with your heels reaching toward the ground and your head relaxed between your arms. Take a few deep breaths and settle into this position. Spread your fingers wide and press down through your hands and feet, lifting your hips and back.
On an exhale, slowly walk your feet up to your hands, returning to forward fold. On an inhale, reverse your swan dive as you return to standing with your arms raised overhead, bringing your palms together. Exhale and lower your hands with your palms together to your chest, returning to mountain pose. As we finish up today, I want to thank you for listening in and remind you of the words of President Russell M. Nelson. The joy we feel has little to do with the circumstances of our lives and everything to do with the focus of our lives. When the focus of our lives is on God's plan of salvation and Jesus Christ and his gospel, we can feel joy regardless of what is happening or not happening in our lives. If you have any questions or comments, feel free to get in touch through the Yoga for LDS Facebook page or email at yoga4lds at gmail.com. 